That's impressive. Quick, quick reset. Yeah. Quick reset. Last night was Ramos Jizz. Jizz. Who knew the job was pro bono? I was so high that um, I shit myself at some point. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, let's do it. Somebody, somebody, everybody mute. God damn it, you're killing me. My SEAL Team 6 with the SEAL Team 12. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with punching above your weight. The thought you get better. Well, I don't know what's worse. You're a ginger or you've been vaccinated. You <laughs> sit around and drink and solve the world's problems, right? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Season 3, A Spirited Debate. We're here. We're excited. Uh, you probably can't I, tell. Beavis, I got wood. <laughs> I will slap the bejesus out of you. That's right. <laughs> All right. Ashmir. Ashmir. Ashmir Cat. That's it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are in the studio once again. Season three, A Spirited Debate is about to kick off. Now, uh, in case you weren't listening, just recently we did our 100th episode. We closed out season two with our 100th episode all time, and then we thought we would go ahead and reset, come back for season three. Unfortunately, uh, you know, we met as a group and we felt like we had to trim the fat, so Haas is no longer with us. Uh, we are now the Tracian at this, uh, so I'm joined with Mac and Grinch. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here. You know, but the show, we persevere. Mm -hmm. We move on. We keep going. Rottenness uh, monster part do. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Say, haven't haven't we done it. this shtick already? Yes. Fine. All right. He's, yes. he's not gone. He's, he's not, gone. not here. He is dealing, unfortunately, he is dealing with some issues, uh, family related issues. And so he could not be here today. We understood, you know, we did talk about it as a group and he had to take a moment to, you know, do what was best for him and his family. So they are dealing with that. Yeah, Our, I'm pretty uh, sure a, a shot of Botox will uh, tighten his sphincter muscle back there up. You go. He'll, he'll be good to go next week, hopefully. I'd say our thoughts and prayers, but seeing as 100% of us don't really believe in God, I'm not sure that prayers is the answer here. So our yes. thoughts definitely go out to him and his family. And uh, we hope that everything is okay and that he will be back in the studio with us real soon. His absence notwithstanding, the three of us are here. It is the launch of season three. Whole new year, whole new set of topics. Today is going to be a banger. Or someone's getting banged. I don't know, but it's going to be a good one. That's all that matters. Not that's, yet. That's, <laughs> no. I still that, haven't started my OnlyFans page. So. That's really? why, because because I've seen that out there already. So somebody's that, making that money. Was off of that was bootleg. That was bootleg. That's that's deep fake shit. Uh, oh, we are happy to be here. Right. <laughs> we are happy to be here. Mac has been traveling. He just rolled in on the Learjet. Was able to make it into the studio at the last minute. We're glad that you are here. Grinch, you and I thought we may be we may be starting season three just you and I, and thought uh, or hoped. The, I was going to I was going to say in about fifteen or twenty minutes you may be wishing you were starting season three, with, but, which uh, is the two of you. Yes, but the Horsemen are back for season three. New intro. We are happy to be here. You've heard it. It's exciting. We've got uh, a whole shitload of things planned for season three that we had. You know, we wanted to roll out in season two, but. Shit happens. Life gets in the way and we move on. So here we are in season three. Gentlemen, I'm happy that you're here. How is everybody doing today? Feeling very good. Thank you, sir. Feeling very good. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. All right. You know what? 
that was respectful hey, and, and low key. We got to keep professionalizing. Okay, Can't just be rando yelling, odd screaming, shit. boom, shakalaka, waking the neighbors. It's just weird. It is. Boom, shakalaka. <laughs> All right. You remember when you said maybe 15 minutes we wish you weren't here? 37 <laughs> you, seconds. That's you made it. You made it 37 <laughs> seconds. Uh, look, we're excited to be here. It is season three. Were we going to make it this long? We didn't know. We talked about that in our 100th episode. Four hours on the 100th episode. Gentlemen, you really powered through that day. Was it really four hours? It, uh, it was actually 40 minutes of it. <laughs> it. It was actually over four, but I actually edited it down to about three hours and 50 minutes. So we're right, right at four hours for that episode. What we had six guests. I think it was six guests. Uh, phenomenal content from all of you, from our guests. Thank you so much to each and every one of them for joining us for the 100th episode. And, and I want to say a shout out. I know we said it. I'm going to say it again for the fancies. The song was phenomenal. Thank you for the song drop. Our hundredth episode celebration. Is, the is rap, I mean, rap the, was outstanding. Uh, yeah, I was going to super say, appreciative. We need to get that shit on on Spotify. Spotify, and then Jason Howe coming strong. I mean, he came correct with that rap out of nowhere. <laughs> was not expecting that. Uh, didn't know he had the talent, and hopefully, he will be showcasing it again for us here in season three. We're going to be doing down the road. Just a quick teaser. Down the road, Big Mac. Jason Howe, Rack Battle. That's what I'm thinking. Rap Battle. Any, yep. Yeah, I think I we think can so. do it. All right. Uh, and then we're going to have, of course, Grinch in the back dropping sick beats for both of them as a rap, mm. as he did. Mm. Uh, but definitely go and check that out. Uh, our 100th episode just dropped. And here we are back, season three. New drinks, same wonderful cast, new set of topics to debate as we move into 2022, 2023. Uh, looking forward to this one. So I'm glad everybody's here. Glad we're professional. Except for your boom shakalaka, Mac. Uh, but let's jump into our drinks. So, Mac, you know what? I know you just stepped off the Learjet. You made it into the studio, brother. What 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 concoction was handed to you by the valet as you stepped through the door? So, j just to be clear, we we did have to sell the Learjet this weekend. Um, you know, I I did make it into a uh, a package store down in Georgia. Um, <laughs> we had to sell the Learjet I got a second mortgage on the house um, man is it wonderful to shop in a non-regulated you know liquor store uh, rolled up in there and you know dude's got like 20 bottles of Buffalo Trace sitting there a couple bottles of uh, Eagle Rare I'm just like this is nice yeah, except the picture you sent was a case of Eagle Rare, the box. It was the box. It was a case did, of Eagle he, Rare. He did give me the box because we were joking about, you know, I, I talked to the guy for a few minutes because the, the girls were shopping. And, you know, in that case, I'm going to go do my shopping. Right. Um, so, you know, he was joking about being in an ABC state. And he said, well, I noticed you're not getting any Eagle Rare. And I told him, you know, I already had a bottle that I haven't even opened yet. And he said, but let me give you this box. And he said, you can, you know, because you probably can't even get the box back in North Carolina. I said, no, you're right. I can't. So I'm going to, I'm going to cut that out, frame it, uh, hang it on the wall here in the studio one day. Um, but no, so I did not, uh, yeah, did not purchase any bourbon uh, really because I've got a lot that I still need to plow through, but did pick up, up a couple of uh, smaller things. Uh, one of them being a peanut butter whiskey. Screwball. That's the screwball, mix. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's a couple different brands, that. but I think screwball is the most famous one so that that's what i went with um i picked that up i picked up a uh kind of a grape liqueur um the guy suggested to pair with the uh the peanut butter whiskey um i guess kind of gives you that peanut butter and jelly flavor um 
cool. and then I picked up the uh, the Bailey salted caramel because I've never seen that around here. Uh, and Grinch, I know you mentioned that 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 was really good. Um, mm-hmm. So I picked up all those, but but to answer your question, um, the longest way possible. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I made a peanut butter cup whiskey cocktail. So using the uh, the screwball peanut butter whiskey, added a little bit of a creme de cacao. Uh, and milk you shake it up and you can uh drizzle the cup with chocolate uh, oh, of course it all settles nice. at the bottom unfortunately nice. um, but it's uh it's pretty good um i would definitely put this in the rotation as a nice uh cool kind of sweet drink very nice excellent all right and this is what is this again uh the name reese's peanut butter reese's peanut whiskey butter. Okay, so does it taste like a Reese's peanut butter cup type thing, or is that um a little okay. bit? Okay, because uh, I mean, with the name, the obviously, yeah, I mean that that's the the flavor they're going for, and uh, it's definitely similar. Okay, very nice Reese's peanut butter cup. Very I nice. might, you know, because I I followed the instructions. Next time, I might kind of, you know, dial back the the chocolate liqueur a little bit so the peanut butter flavor comes through a little bit more so i'm getting way more chocolate as, as you get some reps you know mm-hmm. yeah get it dialed in yeah getting, getting i mean your margarita should be flavor. like perfection by now what's that <laughs> said your margarita should be perfection by now they are when i use <laughs> you, a, you know a pre-made mix <laughs> you could do those in your sleep like all yeah, right <laughs> all right so let's go ahead and move on to grinch brother what did you bring for the inaugural season three episode yeah uh this it's kind of an amalgamation of a few different things that is on the malibu website um because they've got some really straightforward simple drinks like a malibu mojito a malibu and tonic you know and that kind of thing um so i took a peach uh took some peach muddled it and then i added um malibu and that Pessoa, that's that, that kind of passion fruit or dragon fruit, whatever the fuck it is, uh, flavored liqueur. And what else did I add? Um, shit, I feel like there was something else. Uh, oh, and some uh, some coconut juice. And I shook that up and then poured it into the glass. And then I topped it with some club soda. And I don't I don't know what you'd call this. It's. It's not a Bay Breeze. It's somewhere in between a few things. It's a Grinch Breeze. But it's pretty good. Yeah. There you go. All right. So you just, you combined a couple of recipes together to get what you wanted. Yeah. That that episode I've had for a while. So I was trying to work it into something. And just so happened there was a peach on the counter. So I was like, screw it. Let's do this. You know what? At the end of the day, we're in season three. I'm tired of Googling fucking drinks online. I'm just going to start making my own (laughs) shit, which is what I did today. I was just like, you know what? I, I looked through. I'm sorry, Mac. What were you going to say about it? No, I was going to say, it just looked like you took a dump in a cup. I, um, what? Do, yeah, I mean, how how do you make a drink? <laughs> uh, look, I'm not judging. I'm just, you know. Good. Two Thors in a cup. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Based on our topic today. I am not and, paying for that on OnlyFans. Based on our topic today and where I free. know you're going to fall. Yeah, you definitely shouldn't be talking shit about nothing. Just saying. So can I do my, is it okay if I do my drink? Remember he said at the outset, professionalism, that's what we're doing this season. Can I? Do oh, you drink? know, I didn't mean it though. Oh, I was going to say. I, You're I, supposed I... to be on my side. 
Oh, nice I'm hour. just here to throw fuel on whatever fires are burning the brightest. Should we talk about college, uh, paying college athletes? <laughs> athletes getting paid? I remember that episode, what he did. He just like, let me poke the bear and then step back and yeah. watch. <laughs> Motherfucker. Uh, all right, so hey, let me do Thor, my what did you uh, What did you bring to the table today? Thank you, Mac. I appreciate that. Um, I, I didn't bring a Reese's peanut butter cup concoction like you did, but that's okay. All right, well, moving right along then. Yes, okay. Are you taking over? I'll let you take over. No, go right. It'd be ahead. nice for you to just steer the ship once in a while. Feel free. <laughs> All right. You you choose the best band in the land. What else y'all gonna talk about? Hey, hey, I just got my hands on the oar. You guys are doing the steering here. Okay. Look, I don't want to know. I don't need to know where your hands are. That's and right. it's at full throttle. And check. And, and, and check. And I'm, I'm impressed that you're comparing it to an oar. As That's they right. say in the Air Force, all thrust, no vector. That's it. <laughs> so back to me and my drink. Oh, yeah, let's go yes, for that. Yes, thanks. Uh, so I wanted to use tequila today, and I was trying to think of something I could do. And I actually, you know, Grinch, when you and I were online the other night, I, I drank this. I thought I figured I'd give it a shot ahead of time and see if it was worth it. I like tequila sunrise, tequila, grenadine, orange juice. And so I thought I would do my kind of own version of it. It's the uh, Spirited Debates tequila sunset because we just closed out season two. Okay, so we sunsetted season two and we're moving into season three so it is basically the same ingredients it is grenadine orange juice and tequila i used the rocks terramana reposado tequila which i keep in the freezer so it's nice and chilled and so i put grenadine in the glass a little tequila and by little i mean three ounces and then three ounces of orange juice put in the ice and then i actually topped it off with a little fever tree ginger beer just for shits and giggles, just to give it a little extra flavor, a little carbonation, little fizz. So that's what I'm doing. And then you can't see them, but the cherries are on top. And so that's what it is. It is the tequila sunset, the spirited debate tequila sunset. So oh. it, is so, that more of an orangish red color? Because it, it's it's hard to tell. And that's why I wondered, because it looked more chocolatey <laughs> when you yeah, held it up earlier. It is. It's you okay. know, the phenomenal lighting in the studio here. So it's hard to you're tell. You're getting a mouthful of grenadine at the end. At the, oh, oh, yeah, but... for sure. <laughs> you, you might want to go Unless you drink better than what Max is getting a mouthful of. A, a it might be, it or, might be grenadine after you're, or you're as done I heard processing it, it. A sippy cylinder. Mm-hmm. So it is the Espirita Debate Tequila Sunset. So Okay. Uh, it was interesting because I looked up tequila sunset and there apparently is a drink out there. And when I read the ingredients and the directions to make it, it's identical to the sunrise. And I'm like, how the fuck is that different? That's the same one in the thing. morning and one somewhere out one there. Night, maybe yeah. there's a bartender like you going, I made a new drink. And they're like, all you did was change the order. It went in. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And it's new. <laughs> it's a new drink. That's right. <laughs> Fuckers. Uh, so that's what I'm having. So gentlemen, as always, before we start, season three is no different. Cheers to you. Cheers. Cheers to Haas. I shall pour some out for our homie. Mm-hmm. No, he would not want you to. And by pour it out, I mean drink it. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. So as we say at the outset, the train is leaving the station. Let's go to work. All right. So our topic today, uh, I would have loved to have had Haas on for this one. Not sure where he falls, but uh, the topic is just recently, and I say just recently, I should just check that. This Four days was, ago? Something like that. I was trying to see. There is actually, yes, uh, August 2nd. So on loudwire.com, there was a report that was released on loudwire.com August 2nd of this year. And the title is report shows only five artists sold more tickets than Metallica over the last 40 years. And when you read into the article, it talks about a 
a company called Polestar, and they do a number of polls related to, I'm assuming, at least for this article, music and the like. And so they have been around 40 years. In celebration of Polestar's 40th anniversary, they apparently released a number of polls. Uh, the first was uh, a chart showing the top touring artists based on gross ticket sales. The second is based on the number of tickets sold. And there is some criteria. They only counted headline shows and they uh, discounted any festival appearances, any uh, shows where they were in support of another act, co-headlining tours and such. So it had to be a standalone. They were the only headliner and it covered the last 40 years. And so it listed that Metallica was sixth on the chart and the five that preceded them were, I won't in no particular order. Cause I actually don't know exactly. I think U two was number one, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong. I think U two was listed as number one. It, there's been, I've looked at several different lists kind of based off this poll star. Um, so I think all of them were just a little bit different. So I, I can't say which one you're. So we'll say at. in no particular order. Yeah, I know in one of them I'm looking at. Yeah, the Rolling Stones were number one, and okay. U two was number two. But this is uh, which acts made the most money from touring over the last forty years. And this is related to ticket sales. And I don't know because I'm I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, most the criteria exactly may be different. Ticket sales right. plus merchandise or what? Yeah. So this know. is ticket sales. So it is in no particular order. U two, the Rolling Stones. Elton John, Bruce Springsteen, and Dave Matthews Band. And then Metallica comes in sixth. So the, the five ahead of them, I don't know the particular order. I believe you 2 is listed first in the article, but it, uh, you're muted, Grinch, or you're just singing to yourself. I'm not sure. I was. I was. It's you 2 Dave Matthews, Rolling Stones, Bruce Springsteen, and the Elton John. Band, Elton John, then Metallica. Okay, so there's your order, and then Metallica rounds it out at six. So, of course, uh, this article gets sent out. I believe Grinch, it was by you. Mm -hmm. He sends it out, and then there was a heated debate going back and forth about where should the bands have fallen in, in the order. And yes, some of this is personal for me. It's personal <laughs> for Mac. I imagine it's personal say, for Grinch. You didn't hear my <laughs> when I said it. He's <laughs> right. like, I can't wait. It's going to be good. Oh, internet. You yeah. have gifted me a present. <laughs> um, and so this article went out and of course we went back and forth. So we thought, hey, you know what? This is a topic that clearly needs to be debated in the open, not just through text. So here we are today discussing what bands are in the top and is the order correct? And should it be the way it is now mac will tell you u2's one absolutely he's a diehard u2 fan okay and, that, and you're right i am a diehard u2 fan there's no doubt about that i like metallica don't, don't get me wrong yes and you said that but, through the course but of the at week. the end of the day this isn't numbers this isn't don't lie. yeah math, math is math I mean, but, the numbers but, but, add up. I mean, okay, wait a minute. Now, here's where the debate begins because I'm not disputing, and no, I like you too. You I like can't you debate too. Math. Absolutely, you can because it is the no, criteria in which the company is but that's using not the math is going that's to the criteria. Dictate. Yes, it is because the math no. is dictated by the criteria. Two hundred percent. The, the math dictates what the, the criteria. criteria is. The criteria absolutely dictates. The outcome, it dictates oh, the result. so if I change the criteria, then 2 plus 2 equals 12. Yes. Okay. Yes. 
fucking how, absolutely how do you argue with there's two like people running bitch? around with goalposts right. right. <laughs> we're constantly moving him you're trying to justify the math the math and the criteria I have, have honestly, to justify the math the math well, and the, the math criteria have nothing itself. to do with the conversation i, I got i got a the feeling math doesn't so are you going to unpack some of this but <laughs> god damn right i am <laughs> but focusing well, on the article itself where it did say um well all right let me back up i think yes. We're, what we're going to be doing is taking issue with the fact that this list came out, but it came out with those caveats, which we believe skews. Thank you. And that is all I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. Now, maybe you did it in a more professional way than I did. <laughs> but yes, the criteria will skew the results in anything. If it's political, if it's music, if it's whatever. Well, then go make your own list with your own criteria. That justifies Metallica being number one. I'm not saying Metallica should be number one. I'm not saying that. I don't know. I'm saying by by adjusting the criteria, you are absolutely skewing the results in anything. Look, Mac, and you talked about math. If I say, let's let's take a movie, box office, and I say, okay, this movie gets released around the world, but I'm going to take China out of the equation. Well, then that's going to skew the results of how much that movie made at the box office. So therefore, the criteria definitely affects the math. Would you not agree with that? I'll, if I I'll, take an entire market I'll allow out, that. Right? So that's what I'm saying, that criteria dictates the outcome. Yes, math is math, 100%, 2 plus 2 equals right. 4. But when the criteria affects the equation, then your math is now different that's all I'm saying is by by taking that out well, of the, then, by, then, okay. Then who justifies what the criteria is? Well, here and that's in this why case, and that's why we made the point that we've read several different. Like I, I'm looking at the the list of Polestar of you know which acts made the most money touring over the last forty years, right? And that actually has Metallica at number nine, right? I saw and that's that one below as well. Celine Dion, yes. I just wanted to point that out. Which I don't <laughs> I don't think Celine Dion's really toured in the last decade. She's been in Vegas doing Vegas shows. It right? doesn't count as a tour though. And then, so and I think that's the point you're trying to get at, right? Right. Is as, is if I'm Polestar, is a residency I say yes. considered a tour. But I think if I'm Polestar and I'm counting that, I would say yes, people are actively seeking out tickets to that show even though she never moves, they're actively seeking out tickets so they chose to count it. Well, and, and, but I don't but necessarily that's what agree saying with that. Is, well, this isn't most tickets. This is which acts made the most money from touring over the last 40 years. And, and to your point, again, we as we discussed, is that based off just ticket sales? Is that based off of ticket sales plus merchandise sales? Right. You know, what is that? Well, but, but apparently, say, according to this, Polestar has been the Bible of the touring music industry for four decades now. So apparently they need to get their shit together because right. they have like That's what 10 I'm different saying. lists. If you're going to be listed that way, then you should absolutely have your shit well, together. <clears throat> all right. Then, I mean, back to those caveats. I mean, I guess how do you pull out ticket data if it's like a headlining a Lollapalooza or co-headlining or something like that? I well, mean, and do you They're count? not counting it. No, they're not. Oh, That's I know. The they're problem. just flat well, out they, not counting Because I don't know right? that there's a good answer for how you would. Well, but, but, but the, the, no, please. I apologize. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say. The, then the question becomes: What about resale? Are you counting just the initial face value ticket sale of that ticket, which we know in many cases, you know, those are bought up by other companies and then resold at a you know high markup? So are they counting that markup 
from like the stub hubs and ticket, you know, vivid seat and vivid seat seats. Geek thank and... you. Yeah. Or, or are they just saying well, based it... off of, you know, we're going to say you sold 60,000 tickets to this concert at face value of, you know, $70 a piece. Well, and they're right. not going to they're not going to take into account the secondary market. I mean, to your to your point, I, I don't know the answer to that, but something that was interesting to me is, all right, so the highest grossing tour in the last 20 years is Ed Sheeran. Um, actual gross at the time was seven hundred and seventy six million, but he did two hundred and fifty five shows. That's a road dog right there. I mean, that's yeah, that. That's from 2017 <laughs> to 2019. And then... And Metallica you, probably made the same amount of money in like 10 Well, <laughs> the one that caught my eye was actually Rolling Stones, which I'll get to in just a second. But number two is U2, 736 million, 421 actual gross. Adjusted for inflation would be 887 million. Uh, Ed Sheeran would be 822 million. Um, but U2 did 110 shows. But you jump to number five, the Rolling Stones, 17 through 21. They did 58 shows, grossing adjusted 579 million. So they literally did less than a fourth of the shows. Right. And well, charged it's, it's an all about, ass load for their tickets. Yeah. And it's all about where what venue they're playing, right? Obviously, the Rolling Stones, U2, Metallica are probably playing huge venues, you know, stadium tours. The, Whereas I doubt Ed Sheeran is doing the same thing. So he's going to have to work twice as hard. He might sell he, as many. At average, that point, average he might have been playing. Average attendance per show for Ed Sheeran was 34,496. Average attendance per show for U2 was 66,110. Yes. Yeah, so because that, that U2 was playing in stadiums. Yeah, though. massive, right. massive venues. Right, massive venues. Right. So they could they, they could play half as many shows and still have the same amount of people, right? Um, so that being said, I just you know I want to throw it through no, a couple of numbers, and again because criteria being relevant to the equation, I think one of the things, and this is an argument I had with my daughter, and I understood in principle the point, but by controlling the criteria, you control the outcome. Is one of the things they remove from the equation is festivals, and I understand if you have. 20 bands in a festival and, and, you know, Grinch is buying a ticket to go see, you know, Rage Against the Machine and Metallica is on the same bill, right? Metallica would benefit from that. But I think as a festival tour, if you're the headliner and, and I know like we'll take Lollapalooza as an example. Now Lollapalooza is a multi-day festival, but at its inception, Lollapalooza was a one-day festival and there was a headliner. And in 96, when Metallica headlined Lollapalooza, it was a one-day festival in every city, and it was in 26 cities that year. Metallica was the single standalone headliner, but they're getting no benefit from those 26 shows because they're including no festival count. So that, that's the part where I talk about the skew of the data. Now, the well, largest... Guess... Go ahead, brother. Well, I was going to say, what constitutes a festival then, right? Because I, if you're saying that they're the headliner, I, and, and, and this is where I have to unfortunately agree with you, right? Um, hold on. I have to take a drink to do this. Yeah, yeah, do that. Take two. Take two drinks. Two sips. If there's a headliner, I think it no longer becomes a festival, right? It's it, You have multiple opening acts, but... Mm -hmm. Well, actually, I, I think I'll I want to disagree with the way okay. you're going about that. Of I, in terms of 
head, you know, headlining I see is whoever closes out the festival. So I think that's where they get that moniker of, as opposed to, okay. you know, you know, you're going to see a Metallica or a U2, but um, Muse opens. It's clearly not a festival, right? I mean, right, right. It's it's three you know artists, I mean? like, uh, right? Yeah, it's almost two, like a co-headlining tour. Yeah, right. I mean, I think anything that's like a festival is going to be like your Lollapalooza, your Rock Fest, your you know, yeah, your Welcome you, to Rockville, your Aftershock, yeah, your yeah, Monster Energy Tour, and and I get it, and it's tough to then quantify objectively. Okay, why did you buy tickets? What was the band in which you know people? So I understand that, but. The largest show that U2 has ever played was to 150,000 attendees. It was the Pop Mart Tour. And I believe like 2016, 2014, I think it was in 2014. The Pop Mart Tour, it was out of the country and it was 150,000 attendees. Metallica in 91 played the Monsters of Rock in Russia to 1.6 million attendees. And... They and don't skew in the numbers, to but try they and no no. You what you're saying? They don't count it. They don't count it because there were multiple major acts. Yeah. It was Metallica, ACDC, Guns N' Roses. Like there were major acts. So Metallica, they they discount that 1.6 million because it's a festival. One day, but it's one day, multiple acts. Even if you're the headliner, I'm sorry, we don't count it. But I think you bring up another. You know, I think you touched on something else there too. You know, some of these acts are international right i mean you right. know you're you too you're metallica they're playing all over the world right you know whereas you have other acts that you know are probably a little more limited um you know i don't want to say just the u.s but you know they're they're not global you know acts so it's a little bit harder for them to get the same numbers right I, well I, I mean to your point i don't know that the rolling stones are playing all over the world anymore are they well I mean, they toured. They're getting propped up on stage. to twenty-one. <laughs> yeah, doing fifty-eight shows, and I—I I mean, a, you know, a two and a half, three-year span. I have to imagine it's worldwide, and I think that's the only way you get those numbers. Right. Yeah. Well, every, it's funny as I look at this whole list. Uh, every single one of them had like a multi-year. It well, actually, Taylor Swift was the only one. It looks like. The in 2018 did 53 shows. She's 19th on the list. That's because T Swizzle can do no wrong. That's right. true. That's true. So it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually Googled that. So we'll take just the COVID era from 20 to 22, that three year span. How many shows did you two play? Mac, go. Three years. How many shows? Three years. That was the COVID era. I'm going to say five, if that many. Grinch? I think it was one, 2019. Uh, they actually Which was played, pre-COVID. They played six. There were six shows they played. So, Mac, real fucking uh, close. Uh, according to uh, the Price is Right rules, I win. There you I, go. Closest. closest without going okay. over. Um, so, yes. <laughs> one dollar. So, how many shows did Metallica play in that same time span? If only somebody could tell us. I'm going to. I'm asking you to guess. <laughs> I want to see. Mac was real close. Maybe he'll be close again, Mac. Say 52. 52. Grinch? 51. Ah, <laughs> see, there we go. It was 63. Ah, 63. Damn it, he wanted to get over. <laughs> now, Dave Matthews is also on that list. Do you know how many shows they played in that same three-year span? I won't make you guess. 124. I was going to say, it's going to be, because he's a... 124. I mean, that man tours. 
Right. But, but so you look at that and you go, okay, they're playing six shows versus Metallica playing 63 shows. Got another number for you. Average ticket cost for a U2 show. What is it, Mac? Go. Average ticket price. Average ticket price, $122. Yes. Grinch. Yeah. And don't say $122. It's, 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 yeah, I would say it's probably in that ballpark. <laughs> uh, um, it, that'd be my guess. I'll go like $90. $177. Same question for Metallica. And that's why I've only been the one show, by the way. How much? Uh, 60. $60. $60.01. <laughs> $273. Really? But but again, is are you are you talking face value or resale value? They don't give you that information. Again, and that's this is my point, that's, right? Right. Here we go. Back to what I said. Thing. Criteria is important. Yes. It dictates everything to say that there's a hundred dollar disparity and that Metallica has played more shows in the four decade span. According to concertarchive.com, U2 has played 1816 shows since their inception in 1976. Metallica, since their inception in 1981, have played 2,179. So if you take those two sets of numbers by the average ticket price, you go, how is it even possible? That you two has has made more or done more, but and I assume is that all like adjusted to twenty twenty two numbers? Yeah, yeah, right. okay. But it's also as you said, and I don't remember which one it was. What was the average concert attendance for you two? Sixty six thousand, sixty six thousand one hundred ten. Again, criteria being relevant because if you're playing an average show to thirty thousand and you two's playing the average sixty thousand, well then that hundred dollar disparity goes away real fucking quick. You know, in, in terms of that, but but ticket sales, this is why I said at the outset, criteria is absolutely imperative to understanding why we got to where we got. Now, U2, phenomenal band in their own right, been around since 1976. They're clearly playing to 66,000 on average. There you go. <laughs> um, but when I looked at it and I read the article, I went, how is that possible? And then when you read the criteria and going, okay, well, you know, they're discounting certain aspects. Of course, you're going to arrive at a very specific yeah, number. Because I don't think U2 typically plays. I mean, I'm not going to say they've never played any festivals. They've played a couple, but that is not typically their wheelhouse. Hey, Mac, so, I love that you mentioned that because I Googled that too. See, and I was trying to tee you up, brother. Can you tell me the first festival ever since 1976, the first festival that U2 played? Look at Mac. He's over there. He's like, I think I got it. I can't. I, I think I know it, but I can't think of the name of it. Um, Give me the year. 81. Say 81? No. Well, oh, okay. Live Aid. Might be the first festival they've ever played if we're counting Live Aid as a festival. The first festival on record is Bonnaroo in 2017. And Bonnaroo I was the name I, was, I, I completely <clears throat> I drew a blank that. on. But again, I... I and I hate to have to go back to this and agree with you. Criteria matters. Why is Live Aid not a festival? I, I, again, I don't know. But well, 41 years. That would have been technically the first one they played. Well, but that, was your, it, that was your question. <laughs> so you set the criteria. So why are you not counting? Live Aid? Yeah. Uh, again, I, I'm just telling you what it says is the first festival that they played. Right. I'm not setting the criteria. I'm just regurgitating what I've read in terms of the factual account of it. Can you tell me Metallica's first festival? Now, I 41 cannot, years, yeah. 41 years from inception to 
the festival in YouTube, right? Took them 41 years to play a festival by this account. Metallica, 1981. What was the first festival? No. Rockfest. It was the it was the Ard Shock Festival overseas in oh, yeah. 19, 1984. 1984. And they've been playing festivals ever since. And that's what I'm saying. When you discount a whole cross section of concerts they've played, it's going to skew the criteria. But that's their fault for not playing. Why, why <laughs> more, are they playing festivals? They could be well, making way more money. Certainly the well, I mean, you grow your fan base. I mean, we haven't we're not necessarily walking over into like merchandise and no. records and all that, but oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you grow well, your fan base is the straightforward answer, but um, I did find it interesting that U2's first archived concert uh, was for 1,440 patrons at the Warfield Theater in San Francisco in 1981 during the band's October tour, supporting their second studio album. And, 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 and Mac, please understand, this is nothing. I'm not trying to take anything away from you two. You've been around 46 years. Clearly, you're doing something right. I, I'm just saying, when you look at it, because I am a fan of Metallica, I, look, I was surprised, Dave Matthews, at, at least you go, well, Elton got started in the late 60s, early 70s. The Rolling right. Stones have been around since the dawn of time. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, late 60s, early 70s. And then you get to a band like Dave Matthews and you go, 91. Like they haven't well, even been around for fucking decades. But again, he tours like a religiously dog. I the mean, first, yeah, I mean, he's you know, well, I mean, I, and and are you counting all of the all of the shows he did, you know, at the college level back in uh, Charlottesville? Because okay. that's where he got started, right? You know, so if you start counting all of those tours, you know, all of the shows he did there. That, that changes you know, things even more. Numbers. Yeah, but yeah. he was probably doing those for beer money and shit. I mean, <laughs> if we're honest. Yeah, but still. Well, but and the, I will say, I, I agree in that uh, U2 is a phenomenal band. I mean, they really are just their staying power and, you know, the scope of some of their shows and how they changed, you know, what a tour looks like and just adding a lot to it. Um, but yeah, I absolutely agree with the point. Like, the larger point being, you know, you see these polls, a lot of people start spouting them off and you go, I, I've got a couple of questions. Right. <laughs> just and few. that was me. Um, but I will say this <clears throat> to give Metallica credit. They're the highest ranking metal band. And if you think about like widespread appeal, you go from a U2 to a Dave Matthews, a Rolling Stones, to a Bruce Springsteen, to an Elton John, to Metallica. It's pretty right. impressive. One of these yeah, is not like the other. Yeah, you're exactly. You're talking about, you know, a lot of pop. Um, because, you know, let's be honest, you two, you know, pop rock, maybe you could put them in that genre, but they are still kind of more of pop. Um, Metallica is all rock. Yeah. Um, and if yeah. you ask somebody, you know, hey, name me the most popular rock brand of all time, that's probably going to be the one that most people are going to spout off. Now, you're going to have other people that are going to have their little, you know, tangents of, you know, why this, you know, Band is better than you know the Metallica, but everybody knows Metallica. Look, number eleven is the Trans Siberian Orchestra. (laughs) Why are we not talking about that? (laughs) I mean, Aerosmith is further down on the list. I would have thought Jimmy Buffett might be higher, but I guess he doesn't tour as much. Probably Neil Neil Diamond at sixteen, Coldplay at seventeen, and then of course, ironically, on this list, Ed Sheeran's twentieth. You know, but granted. 
he hasn't been around nearly as long either. No, so he's no. just well, getting into this. But yeah, to get on start, the list. You start talking about Neil Diamond, that's when I think you have to start bringing back in the Vegas, the Vegas residencies, right? Because, right. I mean, God, he's been in Vegas for how long now? Well, my wife is a huge fan of the Killers, and they do, you know, they have a residency in Vegas because that's where they're from. And so they play out of out of Vegas and then they do do tours, but they play shows right there in Vegas because that's their hometown. Great, great band. I like the music. I'm just saying. But is that really considered a residency? I don't. Well, I mean, what, I guess I guess what what justifies you as a residency back to criteria <laughs> other than being you're a resident of Las Vegas. Right. Right. I don't know. I, I mean, and I'll, I'll uh, you know, just heaping on praise on on a lot of these these artists. You know, with an Ed Sheeran, I mean, he's the face of it, right? So if he's game on, the thing's going to happen. Like they can change out probably any number of right backup, you know, performers. Um, but a U two whose lineup, to my knowledge, I don't think their lineups changed. Um, Ever? I may be wrong. You're, you're, on talking, that. About, you're talking about their, their like the the musicians. Yeah, U two the band. I don't know that their lineup no, has changed. That is not since the actual <laughs> official inception of U two. Yeah, not. which which is incredible. I mean, same for the Rolling Stones. Elton um, John, his his hasn't changed. Neither is Bruce. <laughs> right. Well, well, I mean, or Madonna or Celine Dion. I right. mean, you want to start playing that? Card. Right, right, right. I was Bruce Springsteen, you know, is getting some flack over this dynamic ticket pricing, which I think is horseshit as well. I mean, and there's a couple of bands on here I'm really happy not to see because this. Our fifth last time down the road, you know, you're yeah. like, this is uh, some bullshit. Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Sam wants his tax money, so we got to go on tour mm-hmm, again. Mm-hmm. So, so, and, and I've heard about the the dynamic pricing, but I'm not super, con, you know, up to speed on that. Can you, can you explain that to me? A I can't bit right in a second, but I will it's try. Like here live just golf. It's just it's hard to explain. You just know it occurs. Yeah. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, and and I think Grinch, as you were saying, like when I saw the article, when the article first hit me, I was like, like you said, I have a couple questions, you know, and, and of course, as you read it and it talks about, you know, their approach and again, the criteria and things like that, you begin to go, okay, well, as with anything, criteria is going to be relevant and it's going to skew the numbers a very specific way. Uh, again, you could make the argument, well, it's four decades. Let's say 1982 to today. That's four decades. Well, Metallica started in 81, 82, right? U2 starts in 76. So they've had five, six years to develop a fan base. So when they start touring and, you know, when they're doing tours in 81, 82 timeframe, when the 40 year mark starts, they've already got a fan base, uh, assumed, well, assumed fan base. Cause I don't know. And you have to also kind of, I, I think, I don't I hate to almost use this word, but their music kind of transcends fan bases a little bit, right? Because, because it is of the kind pop of that, approach. It, it is kind of that pop rock, right? It so appeals get, to a broader audience. Right. Yeah. You know, whereas Metallica is more, you know, they, they've had some of those kind of crossover. And I think that's a better way to call it the crossover hits, right? Um, you know, especially off the Black album. Um, and you see, of course, now with Stranger Things, a whole new fan base being introduced to, to Metallica. Um, but I, I think that has to help as well, right? Because they're they're a little more universally accepted. U two is because of the, the kind of music they play, right? You know, I'm surprised you a couple of artists you don't see on there, like no Garth Brooks, no Kenny Chesney, like country artists that have been at the top of <laughs> Chesney that genre. Yeah, McGraw was at 19. He'd be another one. I'd be like, yeah, it should um, be on there. I saw Kenny Chesney. Kenny Chesney was nine. 
Okay. So in the top 10. Um, I don't know if this explains everything, but uh, while the practice of shifting prices for concerts and events based on market demand, similar to Uber surge pricing might feel like a new post-pandemic practice. It's actually been happening for several years now. Back in 2018, Taylor Swift fans were disappointed to learn that the only way they could secure a ticket to her tour was to agree to whatever often outrageous prices the dynamic pricing system spit out at them. And so I think it's a bit of like you're committing to the ticket with the understanding that the more it's going up and down, like that price could change. So the ticket, if everything's in motion, there's a lot of activity like stock market trading, the prices start soaring. And as more it stabilizes, the more. But the once you lock in down. your ticket, once once you purchase yeah. your ticket, you're locked into that. <clears> it's so done. Right. Like if they right. glanced yeah. at it and said, hey, it's three months out, maybe I'll just wait. And then it goes it from go a 595 to a 995, yeah. you know? It, right. And I think and I think that's no different than the secondary ticket market, right? I mean, you know, those they, companies that, that buy up a bunch of tickets and then, you know, as the, you know, they get closer and they realize there's there's a very small supply of tickets left, they jack their prices up. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean. They actually said its intent is to squeeze out the secondary ticket market. By, by just doing, doing exactly what the secondary right, ticket right. market's doing, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so they can't gobble up tickets and then you know do this. But so they're trying to monopolize the sales. Yeah, one of the examples essence. was in early 2020. My Chemical Romance fans were hit hard by dynamic pricing for the band's reunion tour, with pit tickets that were originally priced at two hundred dollars going up to as much as a thousand. Jesus. But again, this is the, back to like the average ticket price, right? If you're looking at Metallica, it's a hundred dollars difference between theirs and and you two. Does the criteria of that account for festival shows? Because festivals generally charge a higher price because you're getting more bands across multi days. Is that factored into that higher ticket price? Are those just single one off shows where they're the headliner and that's it? I mean, th that's the part I don't know, and that's what it does call into question those things that make you look at the data and go, hmm, I'm not sure how they arrived at this. And that's and and that's all I was trying to bring to the table with this mm -hmm. entire debate was yeah, criteria yeah, is absolutely relevant to the conversation. Well, it, I, I mean, we've said it here a number of times. There's there's nothing wrong with having a healthy skepticism towards information. Just because right. it's put in your face doesn't mean there isn't like like we just said, uh, a couple of questions. Just want to just want to confirm <laughs> just a few things. Clarification <laughs> as to uh, why we are where we're at. Uh, uh, here's another quick answer to that question. In the simplest sense, dynamic pricing, also called market pricing, involves cost shifts that are triggered by changes in demand. When demand for a product or service increases, the price goes up. When it diminishes, it falls. Straightforward and supply and demand, right? Question mark. No, uh, and I think. Ticket, sorry, Ticketmaster said. Uh, oh, shit. Um, Ticketmaster is claiming that the approach is designed to keep ticket costs reasonable, particularly when it comes to the role of bots and opportunists looking to make money off desperate fans. No, I, I was I was just gonna say I think your comparison to to what Uber does is is spot on because you know we we use them a couple times yeah you know, when we were downtown and you know I'd pull it up to get it you know get a quick you know price quote and say okay yeah that, that that's worth it as opposed to walking in a hundred degree weather um, and then you know ten Some minutes later to reserve it yeah, yeah. you <laughs> get everybody ready and you go and look at it again you 
well, shit, it's like three or four more dollars now. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still same. 100 degrees, so I'm paying it. Right. It was the same <laughs> so, when we went, when we were down at Universal coming back yeah. from there. You know, it said in the note, like, uh, yeah, price surge hour or something, something, surge hour. something along it. those lines. So, I, I mean, you know, it, it, it's absolutely, it's supply and demand. I mean, if, you know, and look, you, you know, you, you said something about, you know, going up to a thousand dollars. I think if you're willing to pay a thousand dollars for a ticket, you certainly, you yeah. should, you should be separated from your money because you're an idiot. <laughs> right. Yes. So. And Mac, I want to circle back to what you said, just for clarification. I, I think the reason it was le- live aid was left off the list as a festival in regards to what I was looking at is they were not a headliner. Bonnaroo was the first festival in which they were considered a headliner. And so I think that's why but it that wasn't doesn't change the, the festival. I agree. Aspect, I agree. But, yeah. but I, I'm just saying when you said, well, why wasn't Live Aid considered a festival? Because they were not considered a headliner. But but again, I think to to your point, this is again, we're in a, uh, I, it pains me and I'm out of liquor. I have to agree with you. <laughs> I'll drink for you. Um, you know, a festival should not have a true headliner, right? You You, you might have a headliner for each day of the festival. Should it count towards tickets? Well, that's the the ultimate question here. The, Should the, the festival I think, count? I think, but I think I think the point you brought up though is, I may go to Lollapalooza to see you know the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but you too was there, so now they get credit for you know my ticket, even though I didn't come to see them. Right. I mean, the so only I, way I, to yeah, it's, to it's really to do it is to figure out how, what the revenue split is based on the band. And then they just get a percentage of that. But, you know, you equate it to the percentage of the tickets. It'd be the only fair way I could think to do it. Well, because if you're if you're the closer, that probably means you've negotiated a higher percentage, a higher, as you should, you know, pay payout, you know, which only makes sense. Because if you're expected to be the key draw to the event. I mean, because, you know, I don't know where the cutoff line is, but for some of these festivals, my understanding is you know, going back to like the history of Slipknot that I didn't even really know when they were with Ozfest, they were on per diem. They weren't even getting a salary. They were probably weren't playing the main stage to be able to keep traveling with the show. Right. <laughs> that was it. You know, and whatever merch you can pedal, you know, along the way. Right. Well, I mean, you look at uh, Welcome to Rockville, which occurred in Daytona earlier this year. Metallica headlined not one night but two. When you're asking a band to headline two nights on a festival on a three day festival. Or, or four day, whatever it was, you know, they're a draw, you know, people are coming for that reason, because you're not giving them one night, you're giving them two. Well, and as I think the headliner is, closing out that day. But I think this is the, this is where you have to tread lightly, right? Of course, there, there's a difference between the closer and the headliner. No, but see, it's Grinch a bit of semantics, though. I, mean, I know it is, but, but I think when you have a festival, you have multiple closers, right? You have somebody who's closing Friday night. You have somebody who's closing Saturday night. And you have somebody who's closing Sunday night. So who would you consider the headliner in that scenario? I would say there isn't a headliner at that. I mean, if you're going to pick one, I would think you would maybe pick the Sunday night. But I, I would say that there probably isn't a headliner in that case. And that's maybe why they're leaving out the but, festivals. Because you could have somebody that may show up for a festival for Friday and Saturday and then completely skip you two on Sunday night. 
but, but then to now your, you're getting credit for their, but for then their to ticket. Your, yeah, I mean, I guess to your point, then what I would do if you if you said that and then you said now do the math to tell me what that means, then I would just give them credit for the two nights they were the closer, and then whoever you know whomever is the the third night gets that credit and so on. I mean, like uh, you know, probably a better or a good example is Coachella, like they build up whoever is going to be that night's big event, you know, whether it is a Billie Eilish or somebody else. So if I'm giving Billie Eilish credit, you know, and I don't know, I mean, there's so many friggin' bands at a Coachella or, you know, like you get like these seven different side stages and all that. I mean, that gets even more muddled, but the only way I could think of it is you follow the money. Well, not only that, but, but you can even talk back to, you know, and I, I think Grinch, you, you and I talked about this when we talked about Muse at one point, um, I went to see you two in Atlanta and Muse was the opening act at this time. And there were a couple of girls behind me that as soon as Muse was done, they were getting ready to walk out. They're done. And thankfully their dad was there and, and beat some sense into him and said, no, no, <laughs> sit back down. Cause I paid a shit ton of money for this. We're going right. to watch both bands. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, clearly they were there only for the opening act, but according to, you know, what we think we know, for these statistics, you two got credit for their ticket. Right. Even though they had no desire to see, see them. Which, of course, though, I was there to see you too. Muse was fantastic. It was my first introduction to them. And, and, and I'm glad I saw them. And that's the beauty of the opening act, I guess. Yeah. I mean, so then if we're, if we're making the argument and having the discussion and debate about headliners versus closers, Mac, I know, uh, have you seen all three episodes of Trainwreck, the Woodstock 99 documentary on Netflix? I have, yes. Okay. Have you watched the HBO version? Not yet. I plan okay. on doing that tonight. And that's fine. Let's go to Sunday night. Headliner. Who would you have said is the headliner slash... Who would have been the headliner for that that day? If you were Well, I don't know everybody that played that day. I understand. But based off of what I've seen from the Netflix, I would have said the closing act would have been the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay, Grinch, have you watched it? I haven't seen it. Okay, so then uh, we won't get into that. Okay, Red Hot Chili Peppers. For that, so well, you just said be, they're the closing act. To be even more act. specific, Flea's Penis. Yes, so you just said uh, they're the closing act. They were the closing act. They were the last act to play. And they actually were not. Megadeth was the closing act on Sunday night of Woodstock 99. And here's why. Red Hot Chili Peppers went on late evening. I think like 9 o'clock or whatever. Right. They closed the East Stage. Megadeth played later in the day and closed the West stage. They were technically the last act to play Woodstock 99. They would have been what you are coining the closer. Red Hot Chili Peppers was well, the main draw that day. Hold on. And they were the headliner. And this is where, and this is where festivals get very Into that gray area. What was, so you said the East stage, the West stage. Mm -hmm. What was the primary stage what they considered the East stage. Then based on that, Red Hot Chili Peppers was the closing act. But they were not the last act to play. So how can you justify? They were the last act to play up? on the main stage. So then anybody that plays after them aren't counted. They don't count. They don't get a say, no vote. Is that what you're saying? Because Megadeth is a big bam. I'm not saying they're not a big bam. I, I, I still they subscribe. They were not as big at Red as the Red Hot Chili Peppers at that time, I don't think. I don't my my position been. is I still subscribe <laughs> to the notion of or the term headliner. Because especially in the hierarchy of the artistic world, you know who the big one is, right? I mean, they're very cognizant 
of who's at the top of their game at that time. And that's <laughs> but, 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 why they get top. Billing. As my daughter says, but headliner you, is nothing more than a font size on a poster. It's maybe, but I guarantee you if, it's, it's if very you, personal, right? Like, like I said, those two girls, as far as they were concerned, Muse was the headliner that night. Yeah, they which is a, you two. They didn't know. That's just so, an immature fan, as opposed to somebody. <laughs> look, going I'm not going to argue with you on that. But I I'm mean, just making the point of. Th- th- I think it's a very personal thing as to who is the, you know, the primary act. You know, you you you, you know, Thor, you're talking about you know, uh, Woodstock '99. A lot of people there were just were there to see Slipknot, who played on Friday night, and a lot of people were there to see. No, Biscuit, Slipknot played- didn't play. Corn, corn. Sorry, corn, corn. New, new metal, new metal. New metal. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Slipknot. Wait, what? Did we watch the you same show? I, you know, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't listen to metal. Um, and then a lot of people came on, uh, and they actually were not the last act to play. Corn. Yes, on, on Friday. Friday. No, they were early in the day. Yeah, I won't say early in the day. They were early in the earlier. Evening. It was yeah, early right. in the evening. Um, I, I think Woodstock so, is the one that complicates all this because it was it such a. It was all headliners, right? Right. You didn't get invited to Woodstock if you weren't a big act. Big act. And that's why Mac Mac says that, oh, it's very personal. No, it's not. The promoters set the lineup and they're determining headliner. Well, they're determining it based on what they think is the best. On our bell curve, I think you toss Woodstock as an example of it. Of course. Because it was so fucking unique. And it was a shit show. But I want to talk about it because I think we should eventually at some point talk about the shit show that was Woodstock. Oh, I, I, right? Yeah, Obviously. I'd love to watch it. And that's, that was our generations. That was our generation's Woodstock in yes. terms of age well, demographic. Yeah. And then it was followed up with, you know, what was it? Fire, fire, fire fest. Fire, 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 yeah. fire, fire fest. Festival. Which, yeah, I mean, you could talk about, I would love to have a conversation about all of that. The yeah. shit shows that have been those festivals. I, I only, um, I only used it is- as an example because, yes, Mac, you're right. You get into that gray area with festivals. When you have multi-stage festivals, you may have a headliner on one stage, but a closer who is the last person. And that's what I think of when you say closer, when Grinch said closer, they're the last act to play at the festival. And so yeah. for me, that's the closer. Well, then technically, at least based on what I know from the, the video that we watched, because I wasn't there. If you're talking Woodstock, Jimi Hendrix was the closer because he actually <laughs> played a video after the Chili Peppers went off stage. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I, if you're talking the last artist to play. The, the only time it matters to me in this debate, though, is as it relates to who's getting paid for what. Right. And if Woodstock right. is probably just this big pot, right? Whereas like a Rockville, Rockfest, some of these other ones, you know, uh, Aftershock, whatever. I, I see it in two categories. There's some that are so big that it's more about the logistics of how they're going to flow the bands through. Right. And an eye towards who's going to be the one wrapping it up at the end, because that's, that's the culmination. And, and of course, they're probably making more than they're the getting a larger cut. Started, yeah. started Saturday right. morning, right? And I it's, think, you know, said another way, it'd be like, if you said like right now um trying to think of a band um i don't even know i can't think of a great example uh smaller band maybe like uh more metal anyway i'm not thinking of one right now but you said well metallica is going to open for them you'd be like the fuck (laughs) 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 or or yeah slipknot's going to open for those guys 
Slipknot no. doesn't open for anybody right now. That's not how right. this works. They're too big. You know, <laughs> they did their day in the trench. Right. They've it's been exactly. There it isn't yeah. about humility. It's about they were that band on that side stage making fucking nothing. Right. <laughs> and now they aren't. So, so, you know, as a fan, it's more like if you just read down the list, you'd know. You yeah. know, yeah, <laughs> and and that's I think why my daughter made the comment that headliners nothing more than a font size on a poster, and you tend to you know your headliners are the big names splashed across the top, and then you know we we kind of go, go down, down from there to the fine the print chart, at the bottom, right? Yeah. right. Uh, I'm a huge Seven Dust fan, love Seven Dust, but in any festival like that, they're never going to be a headliner. They're never going to be the guy closing out a day. They're just not going to be those people. They're always going to be in the smaller print down the line somewhere. And they are probably perfectly happy. The upside to a, a festival, as we said early on in this episode, was you tend to be able to tap into markets and fan bases you would have never been able to. Well, yeah, because like I said, you look at, you know, again, we'll go back to the Woodstock, even though I know Grinch is uh, tired of us talking about that. Oh, um, I'm not tired. I think you, it's a fascinating you, topic. You look I at just the, think the number of here. people or the number of bands that were there. I mean, you had people like Jewel, Sheryl Crow. Corn, James Brown opened the show. James Brown, Willie Nelson. Right. I mean, you're, you know, that's the point you're trying to get at with a festival is you have a huge melting pot of fans that are going to get introduced to, and that's the beauty of a festival, right? Right. You get introduced to, to music that you may not necessarily listen to. Yeah. I'm exactly. looking at it, This was in July 6th through the 9th. It's the NOS or NOS Alive Festival. Night one. The Strokes headline, I'm going to say, Night 2, Florence and the Machine, Night 3, Metallica, Night 4, Imagine Dragons. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> just, just just amongst your headliners, as we're going to call them there. That's a wide array of fan base. Yeah, because you go below right. that and you go, okay, DeWeasel, I don't know who DeWeasel is. You know, AIM, I think I know. Two Door Cinema Club, Phoebe right. Bridges, Caribou. They're just happy to be on the bill. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. Those are the bands you're like exactly as you said. Our name made it on there. <laughs> now look, we have digressed wildly from our topic at large, which was ticket sales. Why you two is the best band in the world, right? Okay. Um, but you know, if we're talking concerts versus festivals, please go back to season one, episode sixty-one. It's concert time again. Concert versus festivals debate, and there we do talk about our concert one-off concert shows with a single headliner and an opening act, better or worse than a festival lineup. Have have we done so many episodes now that we actually don't even remember what we've talked about? You have to go look it up because I saw you <laughs> looking on your screen to the side. That that's fantastic. Yeah, a hundred fucking episodes. How do you keep it all straight? I, I, I have you. a running list, so I know <laughs> you defer to me. That's how you keep exactly. it straight. Uh, at the end of the day taking nothing away from YouTube to be at the top of that list is phenomenal uh, to play a show to 150,000 people. Phenomenal. And, and coincidentally, Mac, they also hold the record within the United States for a single standalone show at 97,000. Mm -hmm. So it is not that they are not selling tickets because they absolutely are. It just kind of boggled my mind that when you think of the popularity of Metallica, and maybe it's because in my consciousness, Metallica is there and you two is not well I that's go, it right because it's, it's personal preference of course because because like we said at the beginning i i love metallic and i threw it out there you know earlier this week you know the the one battle right you choose one versus metallica's one i i don't think there's a winner i mean i think they're both no there's a winner there's a clear winner wait have you seen yes, one in concert you're right you're right you choose one have they performed that when you've seen them in concert mm-hmm 
Okay. And I know you've seen Metallica's one in concert. So yes. which from a concert standpoint, which one was better? I don't know. I've never seen you too. I don't from I a don't. concert visual standpoint. He I would said, say Tool Schism was better. <laughs> I would say Metallica's one is better. Okay. But that's because it's it's designed to be kind of a more visual song. approach to the song, right? Right. So, you know, and my point was going to be that, you know, before I, you know, got shot down there, no, I... they're both really good. I mean, the train's rolling here. I'm going to keep going, Grant. Sorry. Yes. No, uh, I just they're, they're I wanted both to point out really good songs. On the article I sent out. It's what you want to hear at He's the time. He's not stopping. <laughs> you shouldn't. Should I mute him? Should I just, no, no. just give me the head? No, no. no. I, I interrupted way that. too much. I just want to point out that on all these festivals, they list them in this article, and then they write headliners. So they are listing the headliner. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So festivals do consider a headlining act. And so then I make the argument, so. how do you then discount all of those ticket sales because it's 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 your list you can do whatever the fuck you want to absolutely absolutely you know that that's and that's what it boils down to and that's why there's 20 million lists out there that could give you the same information and it'll be a different person it'll be a different result yeah it'll be a different person at the top of the the list different result every time right and, um, and again, nothing against Polestar, nothing against the the work that they did. I'm sure the hours of combing over all of yeah. this shit, because I know I did a lot of work this week just finding the information I did. I just thought it was interesting. And I'm just like, yes, Mac, it is very personal when you go, oh, how's that? I mean, when you look at Metallica, 40-year career, also very few lineup changes. Yeah. They, they're the only band to ever perform on all seven continents. They have had movies. They have, you know, what the symphony uh, combination SNL. that they did. I yeah. mean, they have just tried to do a lot of different things and stepping outside of their comfort zone. And so then you go, how is that possible that they are not higher on that list? Not that six is anything to shake a fucking stick at. Right. So, and and as Mac, I think you said, the only metal act to be rated that high. Uh, I think it was Grinch, but yeah, that, oh, they, Grinch, the okay. only metal act to be on that list. Um. So, you know, that that's a, and again, I think that goes back to the, you know, the fan base that you're, that you're kind of catering to, right? You know, obviously some of those bands above them have, you know, a more wider, you know, a wider popularity um, just based on the music they're playing. Yeah. And for all you masturbators at home listening to this, please understand, we understand Elton's on the list. The Rolling Stones are on the list, you know, fantastic artists Bruce Springsteen, in right. their own right. But from a generational standpoint, you two, Metallica, Dave Matthews, I mean, they fall into our generation. Right. I, I don't really have a connection to Bruce. I don't I like really Bruce have a connection. I, I like, like the music. music. Yeah. I just don't have a, a strong connection to the Stones right. or Bruce or, or Elton. I can appreciate their music. But that's not our generation. That's, a, that's our parents' generation, really, in terms of when they started and came along and really made their right. mark. So that's why it was like looking at you two looking at Metallica and because we do have a personal connection to those bands here from what we like, that's why we focused on those. So for those of you listening at home, please understand if you're going, why the fuck aren't you talking about the stones? That's why, right? Because, because we have a connection. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're just, they're <laughs> propping up fucking straw fucking people right now yeah. that are barely alive, you know? So um, look at the end of the day, season three, here we are, we're doing it. Oh, we're really doing it. 
What what is it from Bridesmaids? Oh, she's she's shitting in the yeah, street. Uh, she's she's really doing it. Street, she's yeah. doing it. Um, <laughs> you know, we're just happy to be here week in and week out. You know, we miss we miss the Haas. I would have loved to have had his voice here because I, I honestly don't know what his opinion would be. Mac, you made your opinion known right out of the gate this week, which is why we had to do this episode. And we thought, you know, what better way than to just have an argument right out of the gate in season three? Yeah. None of this all well, touchy feely bullshit. Let's just have a debate though, now. You say it's an argument. It's not because it an is. argument means, you know, there's a right and there's a wrong. There's a winner. There's a loser. You've lost. Shut the fuck up. Move on. Criteria is everything. But the math don't lie. The math don't lie. That's it. <laughs> Erroneous. That's right. Two plus two equals five. The math don't lie. Uh, you know, I, I say it week in and week out. I love doing this with you guys. I appreciate Absolutely. you being here in season three. Who knew we would make it this far? Uh, I'm excited to see what next week brings. I mean, this episode was fun. Although we were down by one next week, hopefully he is back. And then we will see what next week brings. Ladies and gentlemen, our outro never changes. Season three will be no different. If you would love to drop us a line, go to aspirateddebate.com. Check out all of the drinks that we have here. My my new tequila sunset, my aspirated debate tequila sunset. <laughs> Grinch, I don't even know what yours was called, but it was a number of different drinks kind of slammed together. The Grinch yep. breeze, the, the, the Grinch Malibu Bay amalgamation. Breeze. There you go. And then Mac, your Reese's peanut butter cup drink. Uh, sounds good. Don't know if it tastes it's like delicious. a Reese's cup. There you go. Uh, yeah, check out all the drinks that we have here. Feel free to drop us a line on aspiriteddebate.com, a topic you'd like us to try, a drink you'd like us to try. you know, Or you can always go out to the four horsemen at aspiriteddebate.com. Hit us up there if we can get you on the show, if you have a topic that you would love to debate, that you'd like, you know what? These guys have never talked about this, and I'm sick of not hearing my topic talked about. Go ahead and drop us a line, and we will do our best to get you on the show. We'll reach out to you and go, hey, fuck face. Like and we'll tell you show? why you're wrong. There you go. Mac will tell you succinctly professionally while you're wrong which he's tried to do for us for two years and it hasn't worked i'm not sure why he thinks it'll be any different with a guest but uh, he'll give I it just, a shot i think i just did i there said you're wrong <laughs> uh but as always gentlemen thank you so much for being here love doing this week in and week out and we will do this again next week so we will see you all later information or opinions expressed during the Aspirited Debate podcast series or any affiliated podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests involved and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the host or guests may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. While guests are invited to listen, listeners acknowledge that they are not being provided professional advice from the podcast or its guests. The content within the parameters of Aspirited Debate podcast series or any affiliated podcast are for entertainment and educational purposes only. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual.